going, everybody? And welcome back to your favorite Swimbait podcast, Scales and Tails, episode 51 today. And I am joined by a bait maker that I would say 99.8% of the people out there uh, will know once once I say it. But I am joined by Mr. Clayton, owner and operator of uh, Sly Guy Lures. So I'll let Clayton introduce himself and then we'll get right into it today. Uh, well, not really sure what you're looking for as the introduction goes, but uh, yeah, I've been making baits now since I was a little little guy, and probably closer to 17 years now I've been making baits. Uh, it started out as a hobby for me, um, and then as as I progressed and, and got a lot better at it, and then people started wanting them, so then it uh, it evolved from there. Dang, but, dude, uh, 17 years. You, dude, you've been making baits for almost as long as I've been alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was pretty young when I started, so. So, it, I uh, mean, oh, go ahead. It, I didn't start doing, um, you know, resin baits up until, I don't know, probably maybe two or three or four years after doing uh, just wood baits only. Uh, oh, wow. for, yeah so everything used to be you know hand carved and everything was uh every piece was an individual that's that's for sure <laughs> that's freaking awesome it's cool that you've that, that you did that like i mean there's a lot of guys now who make resin baits who are moving into making wood baits and you're like yeah you did the complete opposite you're doing the 180 of of kind of what everybody else seems to be doing right now uh yeah yeah but there's a uh, well I I was kind of thinking that most most people are just immediately starting out with CAD and then and then yeah. going from uh, from 3D design baits and the some people are even having other people design their baits for them and then and then just immediately running into uh, production sort of stuff so it, it uh, is it's odd it is an odd yeah. <laughs> odd thing <laughs> yeah. but. Breaking it down, um, how how did you get into the vast, huge, wide world of fishing? Where did it start for you? Uh, well, my dad was my dad. Obviously, got me into it. Um, I I've been on a boat since I was you know six months old or something like that. As soon as my mom would would allow me out on the boat, I was you know in one of those little front carriers and the little backpack thing, and my dad would just take me out fishing. I started uh, catching my own fish at two, apparently. <laughs> I obviously have no recollection of that. Right, yeah. But, um, yeah, I have pretty much grew up on a boat. My dad used to fish tournaments, um, and then the guy who got him into it, uh, he's, he's over 80 years old now, but he's, he's been my mentor here on the Delta. Wow. Um, so, yeah, he, he and I still go fishing. You know, we try to go fishing about once a month still. So. So yeah. you have have you have you been in California your whole life? I'm assuming from that little yeah. story there. Yeah, I I have been in California my whole life. Uh, my only time out of the Bay Area, specifically the East Bay Area, was in college, and I was in Southern California for for that in LA. Oh wow! So, so like you've you've like stuck to your roots, like I got the heck out of LA as soon as I possibly could. I right, I yeah. hated it. <laughs> yeah I can, I can only imagine i i don't know i live in like a urban area than i grew up in and it's like wow 
like this is crazy this is not what i'm used to that's for sure yeah yeah even even my hometown uh it's become quite a bit more city like than than when i was here the the main road we used to only be you know one lane each way and now it's now it's four lanes each way oh my so god that's that's yeah it's it's grown from about i don't know 10,000 people to 70,000 people in the past in the past 10 10 to 15 years so dude it's that's a crazy growing area yeah yeah so it, it's hard not to miss the orchards and and all that sort of stuff yeah so i mean obviously california is a lot more population density than than michigan over here but like hearing yeah. You'll you'll laugh, but a, a, ten thousand people—that's a really good sized town to me. Like, um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I've ever touched on it in the show, but my graduating class was twenty-three kids, counting me. Like, I, wow, yeah, dude. Yeah. K through yeah. twelve, we had just under four hundred kids at, at my school, like tiny, and that was that was five city or not cities. I mean. Here they're classified as villages because they're not big enough to be towns. Um, <laughs> and it was it was five villages that went to this school, and uh, yeah, there was only that many kids. Like it, 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 such a small, small, tiny place. It's so crazy. Yeah, that's. Um, I, I think my my high school graduating class was about four hundred. Oh my god, three three or four hundred, something like that. Yeah. So I had never been to a big school before, and my um, my girlfriend lives in the city and like her her younger brother graduated last year and their high school isn't like crazy big but there was about 400 kids and we had to sit through that whole graduation and it was like on the football field and i looked at her i'm like they're gonna announce all these kids tonight like this is gonna take forever and back home a graduating ceremony takes like an hour you know 45 minutes and down here we were here for like three and a half hours oh my gosh it was ridiculous it was a culture shock to me it was crazy yep yep Yep, a little weird. <laughs> oh my gosh! So you get into fishing and stuff. At what point in time was it that you started to make baits? Like, had you just like you were like, oh, why? Why would I buy this stuff if I could make it make it myself? Yeah. So my dad, uh, he does hardwood flooring. So our garage was always full of flooring and uh, and various types of wood and stuff like that. And as a kid. You know, seeing the seeing uh, Bill Cimentel and seeing the AC plugs and seeing the Regos and stuff like that. As soon as that stuff started coming out, um, specifically the AC plug, I was like, "Oh man, I really want one of those." But <laughs> why? Why the heck would I, you know, pay thirty or forty bucks for one? Then they might have only been twenty bucks at the time. But even then, I was like. It's just made out of wood, and it's just a simple little like minnow shape. Like I think I can make those, and so I uh, I started making those for myself and using a belt sander to to shape out all the wood. And I didn't even have a Dremel tool at the time, and I was pulling uh, pulling hardware off of other old baits to you know for the line ties and the hook hangers and all that sort of stuff, and cutting up swim baits for the tails and. But that's that's what started me on that type of journey, and I had I have obviously bought a bought an airbrush as a kid, and so and then started doing doing all that sort of stuff with those wooden baits and figuring out clear coats for them and and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, didn't um, didn't take long to uh, to want more. That's for sure. 
it, it's funny because I I was younger <clears throat> when I got into fishing and I mean I know I know a lot of people kind of go through that same phase where they're like oh my gosh I could I could build this like that's not it's not anything crazy yeah like, I could build a popper and do it exactly exactly like you said like I remember ripping apart crankbaits like I had a bunch of Arashi crankbaits I would rip apart and I would like just mod podge Frankenstein try to build these baits and then there's like there's that little point where where you're like okay yeah like I, like I, I could do this and 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 they take the path that you're on currently and then they're like why the hell am I doing this like I'll just buy, I'll just buy the baits like it's so much easier right yeah it's uh there was definitely a naivety that thought that I would be saving money uh in yeah. in in making my own stuff and that that has absolutely not been the case yeah so <laughs> so you're I mean do you remember the first fish you caught on on some of the first baits you made like back then I think the most memorable fish uh, was probably I had made a nine inch uh, like AC plug style one, and uh, I took my my girlfriend, then girlfriend, now wife, out on my kayak in the <laughs> rain in February here on the Delta, and I was throwing a little like six inch baby bass multi jointed bait that I had made. Um, at the time I would, I had already started making them out of resin, that little six inch one that I was doing research and development on. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd gone out hoping to get bit on it and then, um, conditions were just a little different. So I pulled out that, that nine inch, you know, wake bait started working it like a popper and caught a four and a half and then like, wow, that was sweet. And then about three casts later, I got a nine on, uh, on that on that bait so and that was probably the third bait that i had ever made um still have it but i don't fish with it anymore obviously (laughs) it's um it's a little special to me now but was was that your biggest bass up at that up to that point at at that point yeah yeah that was that was my personal best damn dude that's that's like when you get a replica mount and you just you just hang the bait there. Like it's not even it doesn't even sit on the shelf, it just sits in the replica's mouth. <laughs> Your favorite swim bait podcast is now proudly sponsored by Leviathan Rods. Leviathan Rods is a Texas-based fishing rod company that's handcrafted and uses high-end made in the USA rod blades. Every sale from Leviathan helps support foster youth and their families. With Leviathan Rods, you're not only gonna feel a difference, but you're gonna help make a difference too. Friends of the show will also get 20% off their rod purchases by using code SCALES20 at checkout. So whether you're fishing a depth 250 or a square bill, make sure you're using the best rod choice out there, Leviathan Rods. You know, I've, I've really been wanting to, to get some replicas and, and paint them myself, that yeah. sort of thing. And, and, but I, I feel like, you know, it's like, oh, I'll wait, I'll wait till I catch a 10 and catch 10. It's like, uh, maybe I'll wait till I catch 13. <laughs> it's like, yeah, dude, dude. like this, just putting it off sort of thing. Just touching on it. Like, I think if you were to paint a replica, dude, that would be, that would look so kick-ass. Like I, I've had, I've had one of your baits. Like uh, I had one of the gills and just looking at it, like we'll touch on this later. I don't want to go into depth, but Dude, your paint just stellar. That's that's all you can say about it. Like it is kick ass. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, the guy that I'm really looking up to, and he's Lawrence Taxidermy. I think everybody knows him uh, on on Instagram. He is just an absolute inspiration with his paintwork. 
I mean, his stuff looks so lifelike. But um, I, one of the other inspirations as far as taxidermy and, and replicas go was advanced taxidermy. I don't know if you'd ever been to the International Sportsman's Expositions. Uh, probably. You ever been to those? I don't think okay. so. Maybe, dude. I, I have no idea. But maybe, I don't think so off the top of my Got head. It. Got it. I, as, a, as a little kid, my dad had started taking me to those up in uh, Sacramento. And so that was like, that was our fun thing every year. We'd go up to the, the International Sportsman's Exposition and you get to watch the guys, you know, fish in the tanks and all that sort of stuff. But uh, Advanced Taxidermy would always have this massive, massive display of, you know, various fish species, salmon, trout, muskie. They were just so, so lifelike. Um, so they, they were a massive inspiration as well. Still are. Still are. At that point, like you were super big into fishing and stuff, and like obviously you you drew inspiration from that. Was there ever a point in time where you're like, I want to be a taxidermist? Never. No, Never. No. I'd rather. I I think my my logic is that I'd rather I'd rather be involved in the fishing aspect of it instead of involved in somebody else's. You know, uh, somebody else's experience, somebody else's moment. I think it's really cool. Uh, but never, never really the, the biggest draw for me. Uh, I've, I've far and away preferred the functional aspect of art. Art. Yeah. And, yeah. That makes yeah. sense for sure. I mean, it's, it's super cool. Don't get me wrong, but, um, I, my buddies and I have all caught a lot of fish and there, there's like those super good taxidermists. And then there's those guys <laughs> that make your fish look like it's out of a cartoon, like out of the Simpsons, dude, like. There's yeah, no, there's no in between. It doesn't seem like. Yeah, yeah. Some of them are are pretty laughable. <laughs> um, so you catch that nine. At what point in time you're like, okay, you you said that that was your third bait you had made, right? Yeah, yeah. Was that like was that just like the click for you? You're like, okay, like I I want to do this, and I I just want to nose to the grindstone, and I want to I want to do this. Like I want to dive headfirst into building baits like this. So no, it was still a still a personal thing. Um, even all the way through college, I was still only really building baits for myself. I had no no real intention of building them for sale. Um, it wasn't actually until after I graduated college that I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe we could do this. Maybe not. Um, yeah. but it was, it was at that time that I started, you know, uh, being bombarded by, by messages for, you know, Hey, can we buy one? Can we buy one? Can we buy one? So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's really where it started. Uh, just post post college and my, my original, goal life goal plan coming out of college was was definitely not to uh start my own business and and make lures it was it was more to go into the marketing industry and you know the sort of idea i had started yeah. up and wanting to move back home instead of stay in southern california and so the, uh yeah that was that was most important for us we uh already married at the time and okay. yeah, we, we decided we wanted to be back in hometown, back with our family, church. And, uh, so we made that move and figured the rest would fall into place. And so 
I went to, I went back to working with my dad doing hardwood floors and just decided, you know, you know, maybe start doing some lures on the side here as some supplemental income. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of when, when things really started to take off. So, yeah. Was, I mean, were you posting this stuff like on forums, Facebook and Instagram, like just, just like your personal baits and stuff. And is that where that attention, um, like that from other people kind of drew towards you? Yeah. Um, so before, before swim made underground it was uh tackle underground okay um they were you know you post your pictures there and it goes oh wow great job we can make that like eh, all right thanks appreciate <laughs> it um but yeah tackle underground and then uh swim bait underground uh i was posting there in the in the grassroots section and stuff and that's, guys are just that's, like that's where the most yeah that's where the most interest came from at that point in time, were like what were the baits you were you were posting up? Like what style? Uh, it's the six inch bluegill. Okay. Uh, or or, or the five point nine in the the four piece, and the nine inch trout in the four piece. So and the the swim videos of the nine inch four piece still still end up on some of those. Um, those repost pages on Instagram and stuff, but yeah, fa- Facebook, Facebook also got a hold of that one, and so that's that's when things really got crazy. When you started posting swim videos, yeah. <laughs> so at that point, you were collectively assuming you were making the resin pours and stuff. Then, right, right, yeah. Uh, I was starting to get production molds set up, and yeah, the the whole the whole nine yards, and this was. This was only 2017 at this point. Perfect. So. I was just about to ask, ask timeline. So dude, like 2017, it was like still super niche. Like there wasn't, you know, there's, <clears throat> I, I mean, everybody's a bait builder now, but back then like, yeah. there, there wasn't, there was bait builders, like legitimate, you know, like probably count on two hands bait builders back then. Yeah. It felt like it was just, you know, like the big five or six guys that were that were really you know bait makers quote unquote but yeah you're you're right now since uh since cad and since other companies have you know started doing uh design work for for people and doing all that sort of stuff the uh the number of bait companies has really exploded yeah new week there's a new bait company but um yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. this is great i mean you know good for them Yep, exactly. They're doing their own thing. So, if, if hopefully, people, obviously, hopefully they're doing their own thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, some, some, some are questionable, obviously, <laughs> as yes. everybody sees. <laughs> so, twenty seventeen. Like, do you think, like, between the swim and twenty seventeen, like your paint was probably pretty damn decent, even back then. Back then, five years ago, it was still probably pretty damn good, right? Uh no, I've I've definitely definitely gotten a lot Not better at painting since since that yeah yeah <laughs> I I look at some of my old stuff and I go Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't don't like that wouldn't wouldn't use that now some of the stuff is like yeah that paint was fine but no I've I have definitely definitely improved it's, and it's definitely noticeable it's it's funny to look back and laugh at that stuff. 
So yeah. at, at that point in time, 2017, like we said, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a whole crap ton of bait builders. Was your stuff like just, do you think it like caught between the swim videos and just like it, w- it was your thing? Like nobody else was doing like what you had, you had been building bait wise. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I, I, I think I was definitely the, uh, aside from Matt Lures, uh, I think, I think I was seen as maybe the most realistic on the market at the time. But they were they were still really hard to get, and still really small. Still had a really small following, so it wasn't like um, everybody in the world knew about them. You know, it yeah. was it was yeah. still it was still a relatively small percentage of people who who knew that I even existed. Right, and when you first started, were like your drops, were you just kind of openly taking orders through underground and stuff, or did you have like a site? set up with with baits on the site every once in a while for people um so i think it took me a while to get the website up but i i was taking orders for a period of time and that was just that was just absolute insanity um and that's that's why i don't do that anymore for for my own mental health yeah (laughs) and was that kind of the point in time where you were like oh my gosh like people are you know like overly interested in this stuff like i need to i need to nail yep. this down i need to figure out how i need to operate you know so i don't burn myself yep. out yep absolutely it's like okay gotta gotta set up the website gotta gotta get my stuff in order here so yeah ended up getting the website going and stopped doing orders and just started doing drops and then when i started doing drops was when i really realized like Oh, this is a lot bigger than I thought it was because they were, they were, you know, batches of a hundred baits were selling out in two minutes, and it, so it was, it was a little overwhelming at that God, point, dude. Is it like, <clears throat> obviously, it's not, it's not bad to see a hundred baits sell out in two minutes, but do you just kind of sit there and you're like, oh my gosh, like it took me three weeks to, probably even a little bit longer than that. It took me it X amount of time yeah. to do that, and. They're all gone in two minutes. Like, obviously, it's a great feeling, but it's like, oh my gosh, that was so short lived. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I don't think there's any downside to seeing them sell quickly. the The realization in that is, oh my gosh, I cannot, I, I, I can't do this alone. Like, <laughs> I, I still do, you know, but it's like, wow, uh, I need to, I need to be more efficient in my in my methods of production so that was the realization for sure yeah dude 100 baits in two minutes that's that's crazy are your drops still 100 baits obviously you have you have a couple more uh, <clears throat> bait variants and stuff now do you do like 15 25 each on your drops or certain drops or certain baits how, how do your drops work uh usually drops are I, I try to keep it at a minimum of 150 um uh, one of the drops this summer was with 250 or 260 baits. Uh, but in when when there's yeah yeah just just a lot. I, I just try to make sure that there's a ton of options, um, multiple color options, multiple sync rates, multiple you know multiples of everything. Yeah, exactly. Do you 
kind of play it by season. So like in in probably you know Absolutely. summer, yeah. So summer, you're you're kind of not necessarily worried, but you're you're doing more gill stuff, and then you know spring, yeah. fall, winter, you're you're kind of like okay, this is a little bit more trout season. So I'm gonna I'm gonna worry about doing a couple more trout than I was in the summertime. Uh, there's so even in the summer, there's just different colors that I paint the trout in. Okay. So instead of instead of a specific trout pattern, uh, it'll, it'll be the white and chartreuse, or it'll be a shiner, or shiner, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely try to try to match the offering with the season. It doesn't always work out. Um, you know, even I, I think I sell bluegills uh, year round. I, I don't I don't think that I ever stop making bluegills. <laughs> yeah, dude, like that. It's got to be, I don't know, does it seem repetitive to do your, like, when you're paying, like, just the whole process? Or do you kind of, like, if you're pouring a bunch of bluegills, you're like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to pour some shiners and trout for the next couple days, and then I'll, I'll circle back around, and I'll get back to these bluegill. But I'm just I'm just burnt out on, on looking at this bluegill profile nine, ten hours a day working on them. Mm-hmm. Um, time being, I'm actually pouring all of my molds all at once um oh. so that's that, that's that's trout and bluegills yeah there's there isn't a mold that 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 i try to leave dry when i'm pouring so there there are pouring seasons and then there are uh prep seasons paint seasons finish and then uh testing and tuning so every every yeah um what, what the, we'll, we'll take uh, some time right yeah for sure what's it like to be out in california i know paul from piz has had has, has this year especially he was he was posting like I, something about the humidity like the the painting or, or something like that is it like is it kind of hit or miss for because obviously i'm not a bait maker so i'm looking at it from the outside in like is it hard to play the weather on like okay like it's gonna be sunny and humid this week so i'm gonna do this process before it rains for the next five days like how, how do you go about that or do you not worry? um I, I typically completely ignore it i have a shop on my parents property that i built in 2017 when i started going full-time on this mm-hmm. and so it's 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 heated it's it's air conditioned as well oh, so it's, it's, it's controlled be, yeah it's controlled I'm not I'm not in the garage. So yeah, yeah. That uh that definitely helps. Definitely helps. And I think I think I have a completely different paint system from most people uh in the industry and so I don't I don't have to worry about humidity or or anything like that. And then my clear coats are um adapted seasonally as well. Uh there are different different ratios of mixtures that that I can do to adapt to humidity or cold or heat, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, dude. It, I mean, it, it obviously sounds like you, you've gotten it figured out and I'm sure that's come with a lot of trial and error and, and tribulations over the past couple of years. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean like innovation, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna waste material and you're gonna, you're gonna spend a lot of time figuring out what works and what doesn't work. And, and if if you don't, then you either got lucky or you're not doing something right. One of the two, <laughs> right? Yep, yep. I have I have boxes and boxes of 
you know, blanks that are just never, never going to get to swim. <laughs> that is that's blanks so and pieces crazy. of blanks and stuff like that. So, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we, we kind of are getting towards the, the painting aspect of stuff. Dude, so, dude, I don't even know where to start. So 20, 2017 <laughs> were, were like, what, where was your confidence level 2017? Were you, obviously I wasn't, I wasn't really around back then in the swim bait world. So I, I can't just like remember, oh yeah, I remember seeing it in 2017, but right. was your stuff, were you like, wow, this is like super hyper-realistic. And then looking at it now, you're like, oh my gosh, like I've, I've improved so much over the past five, six years. I don't think that, uh, it was incredibly realistic. Uh, up until I started making the seven and a half inch guild glide, uh, which came out in 2018. Um, and then the first, the first couple batches of that I had painted knowing like, uh, this, this could be better. This could be special. Uh, and then I, and then I developed something really special for, for doing all the scale tipping. Uh, and then I was able to, do scale tipping on all of the baits from that point forward. So it was, it was probably at that point that I really jumped up a few levels um, as far as realism goes, because with, yeah, without that, I mean, you're, you're stuck with using normal stencils and using scale masking and, you know, that sort of stuff. So it's, yeah, there, there, there are levels to it for sure. Um, but, I, but I think my stuff now is probably the most realistic that it has ever been, uh, in large, just because of experience. Um, there are some levels that are, that are pretty easy to jump just from, you know, spending some time online and learning some stuff. Yeah. Uh, but then as far as those, those like little nuances go, that's the stuff that, that takes a long time to learn and really requires the trial and error part yeah i mean dude did you like i mean i'm sure everybody listening has has seen seen your gills and stuff did you just sit down one day and just look and study the hues and the colors and the just the the general shapes of these fish and you're like okay like i have an idea of what they look like in nature now, now I just have to mix mix the paint up, and all I got to do is spray it on there. Like it's not that hard. I just got to figure out how to do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I majority use transparent paints, uh, but the I guess the 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 cornerstone and foundation for my artistic style uh, and the realism is in large part due to a high school art teacher. Uh, she said something one one of our class periods uh that i just uh stuck with me for you know it, it's still with me so uh she said paint what you see and not what you think you see uh so i don't i don't know if that you know carries the same weight for you as as that carried for me but yeah yeah we uh you're you're essentially forced to stop looking at what you're looking at thinking oh yeah it's this color uh, and actually look at the color that it actually is. I know it sounds simple, but a lot of the times people look and say, oh, the, the back is green. No, the back is not green. And no, the cheeks aren't blue. 
yeah, and yeah. No, the middle, and no, the middle isn't purple. Like, so it's just, uh, and, and you know, you're looking at the colors behind the scale tipping as well, uh, because a lot of the fish have that have that really iridescent layer just over a layer of color. Like, if you if you dis- if you dissect the scale, there's like three or four or five colors per scale. Yeah. So yep. trying to trying to build that in is actually impossible but i mean <laughs> you know it, it's a good goal uh i i think i think the the closest that i've come to like super hyper realism is the the swim bait underground co- collabs uh their their system of of uh imaging on the baits is really really incredible it doesn't it doesn't have the like the depth that a paint might have but it won't take long for them to to get there i don't think so yeah yeah i'm i'm looking at while you were talking i was listening and i was scrolling to um i was scrolling down and dude like even your paint this post october 24th 2017 uh the replica gill and the male blue gill like dude this this is paint that that like people back at home get on a taxidermy bluegill they caught ice fishing you know three seasons ago and they're they're like oh my gosh like this this is this is awesome like this is so realistic and like looking at that like i i'm in i'm like super impressed by it because i have no artistic ability at all but you know you take you take seven big thumb scrolls up onto your page and like you're seeing stuff from 2021 and it's like oh my gosh like like you said like you Oh my, I, dude, I don't even know. Like, it's it's just so yeah. crazy to look at. It is just it's, so uh, crazy. It's it's definitely a passion, uh, but it's a passion and it's work. So, I think I think the fun part about it for me is that I don't paint every batch the same. Mm-hmm. There there may be some similarities, uh, but part of what keeps me interested in continuing to do it is is making those subtle little improvements um i think i think the one of the funny things is like uh getting into like actually fishing with them right there yeah. are some colors that do absolutely work better than other colors like this spring i was fishing um uh, a very highly pressured trout lake and so i'm using you know my most realistic like uh, I, I go fly fishing quite a bit, so I use I use the um, the reference photos from fly fishing uh, as you know painting references for specifically the trout, and so like fishing with some of my super hyper realistic stuff, and uh, somebody had wanted uh, like a light trout color for striper. They wanted it to you know kind of look like the the S waiver light trout. Like that's funky. That that can't that can't be like a you know a thing. And so I painted myself a couple before the day before the night before I think I was going fishing. Didn't even put clear coat on them. And uh, the next day the fish knocked the paint off of those doggone things. Uh, so I was like, man, that stupid yellow belly actually <laughs> catches. You probably more fish than the white one because I had brought a white one too. White belly didn't didn't exactly catch as many fish as the yellow one did. Partly because I couldn't put the yellow belly one down. But Yeah, yeah. Dude, that's <laughs> that is so crazy. And it's it's interesting to hear 
you as a very skilled painter talk about that because I mean, I've always been in the boat of the the paint is the paint. Like I I've always thought that the fish were more worried about the action stuff, but I feel like when it's hyper realistic like that, they care because they 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 can just see that thing and they're like that's it's a natural forge. I've I've been in this lake for for seven years and that that's what i see every single day like i'm gonna go eat it i don't care what it looks like it looks like a bluegill but it's not swimming like one i don't care i'm gonna go eat it yeah so uh, on the hierarchy of what that means in order to eat something i would definitely say that uh presentation and profile outweigh uh the pattern was presentation profile and pattern um in in order so I, I do think that, that at times you can have the right presentation and the right profile and have the wrong color. Like that, that, that we've, we've all seen that. I mean, like some people get super funky about a jig color or a yeah. color or, you know, anything like that. So it does apply, but there are days when it doesn't matter what color you're throwing uh, because your presentation and your uh, profile are correct. So, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a, good, it's a good, good topic. Right, yeah, for sure. It's, it's, always, it's always up in the air. Like, if you're fishing, you're not catching anything, you're like, oh, my gosh. It, it's because I'm fishing a chartreuse belly crankbait. Like, I, I should be fishing a red crawl one. Like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I made that mistake. And uh, I, I, always, I always preach that if you have, I mean, having confidence in what you're doing, it just seems to make you excel with fishing like if you're if you go out there and you're like yeah i'm gonna go out there i'm gonna smash them on this yellow bone uh s waiver 168 and you go out there mm-hmm. and, you do it, and you're like oh my like and then you're getting like halfway through your day and you're like oh maybe maybe i should have been fishing light trout this whole time and then you, you kind of doubt yourself i feel like i don't know what it is juju or something but i feel like they they know they know if you're not confident <laughs> in what you're doing yeah like I think, I think uh, one of the one of the coolest color presentation stories that that I've experienced. Uh, we're out striper fishing. I do I do a lot of striper fishing uh, just because it is so much fun um, to hook into a you know twenty plus pound fish uh, or hooking into multiple ten plus pound fish in a day on a bait. I mean, you don't always get that bass fishing. Uh, those those days are, are pretty rare and pretty special, but with striper it can be pretty frequent. You know, like every time you go out, I hooked a hooked a twenty, hooked a thirty, hooked a forty, and got off. That was fun. But uh, one day, my buddy Eric and I, uh, who's really been the reason that I've gotten into striper fishing, we uh, we were out fishing just the bone white um, bone white glides. And the stripers, huge stripers, just swirling on it. They were just coming up underneath it, swirl, you know, and your bait would do cartwheels under the water. You work it some more and they might come back and swirl on it again, but they just absolutely were not eating it. So I looked at Eric and I was like, dude, you got any colored Sharpies in the boat? <laughs> he goes, yep, yep, I got a chartreuse one and a red one. I said, perfect. So I grabbed a Sharpie. I put a chartreuse line down the lateral line and put some red right under the gills. 
And I think it was two casts and I hooked up to a 30 plus. So, Oh my gosh, dude. Uh, I, yeah. And that's, that's part of the reason the, uh, the, the Ralphie's special uh, nine inch trout exists is because it was the product of, of that day. A uh, little bit of orange on the belly was, was the one other additional color that seemed to really make a difference to the, uh, the hookup ratio. That's <laughs> dude. Yeah. I, I don't know that that's a sick story, but it just, it also makes you think like, Oh my gosh, like, what what if I did, you know, painted painted a a a shad or shad circle on the gill plate one day? Like I I may have just smashed him. And so I'm sitting here, yeah. just, I'm sitting here thinking like, oh my gosh, maybe I should just throw a sharpie in my back pocket whenever I go somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I I carry a lot of sharpies now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially, especially when we're out and just white baits. Um, here you know the white baits sometimes is just is just you can't beat a white bait sometimes. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Bone, <clears throat> I think bone's my favorite color. I don't know why it doesn't look like anything I've ever seen, but the nope. fish just the the fish talk to me. They they tell me they like it, so I, I yeah. keep fishing them. <laughs> uh, I think one of the things that we've found in fishing white baits so much is that initially you catch a ton of fish on them, especially if if you know it's their first time seeing a white swim bait. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, but then the the hookup and the and the bite ratio seems to go down quite a bit over time as they continue to see and eat all white baits. Um, once once fishing pressure increases, it seems like they they kind of turn off of that all white color altogether. Yeah, that's when you pull and... out all pink. Oh, go ahead. That's when you pull out the all pink one. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I. So I've never fished like a directly painted white bait other than mm-hmm. obviously the, the S waiver. But if you want to call that white, I mean, it's yellow, <laughs> but yeah. Um, well now it's yellow. I, it never used to be, but I don't know what they did over there. They got their, they fired their color guy or something. But anyway, I digress. Uh, the, the, the bone baits I've always fished have always been like true blanks, like no clear coat or anything, just resin mm-hmm. and that white, like, don't get me wrong. That white is super good. It it like glows in the water, but when that resin kind of starts to yellow a little bit, that's yep. what I that's what I personally have found just is is killer. Like it's it's got that slight yellow hue to it in the water. It, it's it glows still like it was when it's white, but it's a little bit more natural. It, it's kind of on the way to that S waiver uh, S waiver bone color, and I just I've had some crazy days with that and. Who knows? Some, maybe, something maybe about that yellow. Stupid. Yeah, something about yeah. that yellow belly is just stupid. Yeah, that's I don't, I don't why, understand it. That's probably why uh, uh freaking River to Sea changed their bone color. They're probably like, oh my gosh, this yellow is a cheat code. <laughs> just make the whole bait this color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense to me. Uh, the guy that I fish with, Ralph, who's you know in his eighties now, he used to before bone was a thing. Uh, they, there used to not be bone paint colored crankbaits and sort of stuff. He would just take a razor blade on, on like a bomber model lay here in the Delta and just scrape all the paint off of it because he needed a bone color. Yeah. So, and, and he would win tournaments with a stupid, you know, blank bait that had all the paint scratched off of it. And people were like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Dude. Yeah. And it's, it's like, 
maybe maybe the fish are just so intrigued by this that they come up and, and like you were talking about it gets harder when there's fishing pressure and, and they see this bait constantly <clears throat> and obviously i think i think that goes with any bait like you guys especially out there relative to like here in michigan like your guys's fish are probably like 20 years ago or act would act like our fish here do with glide baits like our fish here never ever 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 have seen a glide bait before unless i fish there or right. you know the other six guys in michigan have ever fished there whereas mm -hmm. you guys i mean i i've heard stories of a lot a lot a lot a lot a lot of people in california fish swim baits since like those fish are just are seeing it you know multiple times a week and they're like i'm not eating that thing yeah uh to to reinforce your uh your theory we have a small a small local lake uh that's really popular i'm not going to name it but uh in in the spring if if i launch my boat there i'll see four or five other boats and every single one of them is slinging a 12 inch nates or a 10 inch hud or a nine inch mag um no, and then they'll pick up the hard baits and start throwing the hard baits too, uh, because it is a trout stocked lake. So it, yeah, it's just like it, it, it can get really, really, really tough to catch fish when everybody's doing the exact same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, just side question for you: Is it? I mean, have you like rolled up on guys fishing points or stuff, or you know, you're you're trolling by? And you look over, and they're fishing one of your baits, and they don't—they don't know that it's you from a distance or anything. Um, you know, I don't think I've had that happen yet. Uh, I—I I, I did fish a tournament. Uh, it was one of the BABC tournaments here on the Delta. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that was 2018 or something like 2018. Yeah, it was 2018, and um, I ended up zeroing. And my buddies came in with, with a limit that they caught on my bait. So, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? I couldn't buy a bite today. And I threw all the same stuff. And then you guys got three. And I think they got, like, I don't know, fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh. But they came in with a with – a, So it's like uh, – That's pretty embarrassing. Yeah, I was about to say it's like a very, it's a very humbling experience both ways. Like, oh my gosh, like my <laughs> buddies just went out there and smashed them on my bait, and then it's like humbling to the side is of, oh my gosh, I didn't smash them on my bait. Like, what the heck? <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was dumbfounding for sure. Um, the one of the one of the big questions I had wrote up that I wanted to <laughs> kind of talk about and hear hear your uh -huh. thoughts about. Um, so your baits, dude, like realistic to a t and do you think that like chasing the exact shape of a fish can limit what that bait is capable of as far as like swimming wise and stuff um uh and reading through your questions this was this was the question that i was most looking forward to perfect uh, I think, good minds think alike <laughs> i think that yes if done correctly it can limit what the bait can do. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also, I was talking with somebody at, about this at the, at the Sims Pro Delta Day uh, just recently because he was talking, we were, we were looking at the, 
that the actions for the three different baits that I had brought, I had brought the 6.2 inch bluegill glide, the nine inch trout and the 12 and a half inch trout glides. Yeah. And we were, I, I had taken a few guys down to the, down to the water and swim testing some baits and stuff like that. And yeah. uh, one of the guys was talking about, you know, like wanting to see something faster out of, out of a trout bait, uh, specifically the 12 and a half inch trout. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I understand. I hear, I hear what you're saying, but when, when I'm fishing this, I do not get bit when I'm working it quickly. Uh, I, I think that the, the baits need to work relative to the way that the fish are going to eat them. Mm. So you're not going to get 20 bites a day on 12 and a half trout bait. You might get one. My best day, I got three, three bites on, on a 12 and a half inch trout. All largemouth. Didn't land a single one. But <laughs> point, point, point being, like, the way that a fish is going to eat something half its size, they are not chasing it down if it's, you know, swimming at five miles an hour or seven miles an hour. They are going to eat it if it is extremely vulnerable, slow moving. Uh, just really tantalizing, and they're more likely to eat the nine-inch trout if it's moving faster. You know, you can you can more closely work that like like a jerk bait if you want to. You know, one, two, three, one, one, two. Um, sure, they'll eat it moving slow, but you can get away with moving it quite a bit faster. So it needs to be a little bit more agile. It needs to be able to to do those sorts of things. Uh, respond a little bit better with the rod tip or with the real handle. Uh, but then really small bait, like the six inch gill, uh, they, they will eat that if you're just burning it. So it needs to be able to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think that chasing the, the realistic profile of a fish is really integral or, or really important for achieving the action of that specific forage. Does that make does that make sense? No, hundred so, percent. Like, if if you have fins and stuff there, like the the anus fin and stuff, that that's gonna. I mean, really diving, dude. I'm okay. I'm talking. I'm just talking. I don't know anything about bait making. I'm just I'm just saying what how I think stuff works. Like, well, you 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 fish them, so you, yeah, yeah, you have, yeah. You have experience. You gotta, you gotta like if you have fins and stuff where there's fins, there's gonna be like the same type of drag and stuff uh, like a bluegill would have going through the water relative to these baits that are all super smooth and stuff. And obviously th- that stuff works, but you're not on that super hyper realism level as like, it's that that's in a completely different category. Like your stuff is a step down from what you could go out and catch on a night crawler. Like it's, it, you can't get any more, you can't, get any more realistic with a bait i don't think like i i'd be dumbfounded if if there was something else you could do to achieve that well i'm gonna try but (laughs) um yeah there there are there are aspects of fishability right so the um the fins sort of thing yeah I, i could see where maybe it would it would cause the same type of drag but in a glide bait like real fish don't have that glide movement yeah, yeah, that, I wanted to touch on that too. Yeah, that they're they're not you know gliding. So I think in that regard, a fin a fin in the right place wouldn't have 
you know, uh, necessarily a benefit to the action of the bait, mm-hmm. but they do, they do increase stability in, in many cases. Um, it, uh, yeah, it adds some additional drag to, to the top and bottom of the bait. So it does, it does prevent the, the blowout and the washout quite a bit as well. Um, but, but I think, I think the, <laughs> the most important part is, is matching the action of that bait to what that forage might act like. So a small little bluegill can flit around and, and move pretty mm-hmm. quick. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, but a big, you know, 12, 13 inch trout is going to be, if it's going to get eaten, it's, it's going to be moving pretty slow. Yeah. It's going to be gandering around. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's so like I, I think that profile and that shape is is really important. Yeah, and like like I said, uh, <clears throat> compared to other baits, like <clears throat> they're, I mean, dude, you look you look at a shad bait, and they're all the same shape. Uh, there's baits out there that are modeled after shads, and they're not directly. I mean, they got that rough outline, but it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not tip for tap a shad and yeah i mean you can we can we can tell a difference i'm not sure if the fish can but i feel like you you can uh, that those guys have a different uh level of achievable swim than than what like a bait like yours has Hmm. uh yeah so there are there are like some some benefits yeah to to having to having control over like the thickness of the head and the thickness of the belly. I can actually do that. I've, I've been able to, to change all that, uh, when I, when I've needed to, or when I've wanted to, mm-hmm. to achieve that, that desired action. Um, but I think, I think one of the indicators of, of whether or not like, uh, a real fish shape is a benefit or not is whether or not other bait makers are moving into, you know, um, using that shape and using that profile. And over the past year and a half, uh, two years, seen a lot of people start, start moving into that style. So I think that's probably one of your, one of your best indicators on, on whether or not the, uh, chasing that realism has an effect, has an effect on the, uh, on the action and the, um, on the efficiency of the bait overall. Yeah, definitely. I think, <clears throat> I don't know, for some reason, I, I'm super drawn to like the super realistic like baits that have very pronounced <laughs> gill plates and very, very nice details around the gill plates and stuff and like they in, in the mouth. Like if, I, I don't know what yeah. it is, but like yeah, that I, whole, I that whole face yeah. front, like that is, that's like, that's like what makes the Cadillac the Cadillac. Like that is what I look at. Right. And if I see super nice gill plates and they're super, they're matched up well, whether they be 3D scanned and, and made in CAD and, and cleaned up in CAD and stuff or, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever, that, that's like what, that's what I look like. That's what I see. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like that is a real fish. Like whether or not what exactly behind it is, is a hundred percent or super thick or super skinny relative to the, the targeted forage they're going for. Like, I feel like if your head looks good, then it, it's, it's going to be pretty decent. Yeah. Uh, I've seen that. Um, I've also seen some stuff that looked really good and then didn't swim. So yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, the, the function function is definitely uh, priority over form, I would say. I was just about to say your stuff is like right in the middle of that, that form and function. And there's like, like you said, there's a lot, a lot of baits out there that <clears throat> look super, super good. And, and, and that, that's, that's more of a form thing. And then there's baits out there that, that look like, you know, uh, like, you know, a kindergartner brought it home from art class and the yeah. function, the function on it is crazy. And it just, it just isn't at that, at that level of form of some, some other baits out there. So, so if you, are you still on my Instagram page? Uh, yeah. Yep. I want to get your live reaction. If you watch those saved swim videos, tell oh, me okay. what I, tell me what I value more. If I value form or function. Um, 2017. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> this is the bluegill wake. Oh, no, no, no. Go to no. the, uh, the save, the save story. Oh, 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 save story. Oh, save story. Okay. I want to say, I wa- yeah, I was watching these the other day. Uh, we'll go with the seven and a half inch gill glide. <clears throat> Live reaction here. Yeah, dude, like that. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of speed watching them, watching, watching it and then skipping to the next story. But yeah, dude, like that fast, a, that fast burn right there. 60. Yeah. Dude, that is just, it is so crazy. I mean, obviously, <clears throat> there's baits you can do that with, but there's there's baits that you can't even attempt to do something half that speed, and, and they'd blow out or, you know, right. do whatever else. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, I feel like it's it's kind of a hard ground, <clears throat> or not a hard ground, but a hard thing to achieve to to be able to make a suit, like a bait just kind of dance and, and kind of have a nice meandering glide, and then you know, four real casts later, you're fishing like a eight to two or like a HG and you're just like, Oh my gosh, there's a fish falling. Like I'm going to, I'm going to burn it for 10 feet. And I mean, there, there's obviously there's baits out there, but there's not a plethora of those baits that you can, you know, you can dance, you can dance a glide and then you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to burn this thing back because there's a fish hot right. on its trail. Right. Yep. Yep. That's, that was the point of it. And in, in my own fishing, that was what I felt like I needed. Uh, not even just for like necessarily for catching fish. I don't think I've ever caught a fish burning a bait in, uh, unless it was a striper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, just having, having the confidence of knowing that it can do it if I need it to do it, mm-hmm. um, it is, is really important in the fishing. Just like what we were talking about earlier, confidence with the color. If you've got confidence that that bait is doing what you want it to do out of the distance, you're going to catch more fish. That's just, it, it's, it's a confidence thing. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I, I was looking at the Instagram still. Do the gills, have the gills always had the soft, uh, the tail fin or have you kind of played around with other stuff? So I was for the longest time using a, like a really hard rubber tail. Okay. Um, and I've I've just recently moved away from that, specifically on the on the small gill. I haven't I haven't experimented with it yet on the large gill, but uh, that that's that's my next that's my next uh, project. Work with the uh, work with the big the big bluegill and the and the soft tail. But uh, yeah, that hard rubber tail would occasionally hold a bend in in like a tackle box or something like that and yeah. so you'd have the 
you know, the pain in the butt of, of having to boil it and straighten, straighten it out and make sure it stayed straight in the box. It was really infrequent. Um, but it, you know, when it happened to me, I was like, man, that really sucks. I feel like I can't yeah, even fish with that base there. So yeah, I'm going to change that because if I'm having that problem, I'm sure that other people are having that problem. So that was, that was the, the motive behind switching to the silicone tail uh, because it does not hold a bend whatsoever. Right, yeah. that, that caught my eye because the gill I had, uh, it had the hard, hard plastic tail. And I, I scrolled up to the top of your page. I'm like, wait a minute. I said, I was like, those look like salt. Those look like poured tails. Like that mine didn't have that. I wonder when you started doing that. <laughs> you you uh, had a, you had a Lexan tail? Uh, yeah, dude. I, so my oh, buddy dang, gave it. old. My, yeah, I'll, I'll see if I have a picture of it. My buddy gave it to me. And he is like, he's like, I, he's like, I have, I have other baits that I, I fish, but if, if you want, you can have it. I said, heck yeah, I'll take it. And, uh, I mean, that was the first time I ever saw one of your baits and dude, he handed it to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, that's crazy. And, uh, it was like on a Wednesday and it was one of my off weekends of work. And I remember going back home and, uh, I, I like, I was bringing my rods into my dad's like, what was that? Like my, my dad, he, he <clears> fishes <throat> and like, he knows, he knows some baits and stuff. And He's like, what was that? And I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, hold on. I'll bring it out to you. And he's like, oh, my gosh. He's like, this is like, like you just take a picture of a fish and print it out. Like, this is ridiculous. He's like, I cannot believe that you could, like, somebody could artificially achieve something like this, like, with, with, a, with a paint gun. Because he, he's super big into painting, too. Uh, he'd been painting his whole life. But I like cars and stuff, not necessarily, like, airbrush, like, baits or anything. But he's yeah. like, wow. He's like. He's like, I, I know what it takes to, to lay down like good paint, but he's like, that's like, he's like, I don't even, I wouldn't even know where to start with something like that. And that's going back to like what you said, paint, what you see, not what you think you see. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. But yeah, the, the, the Lexan tails were, those were really old. <laughs> yeah. He, those I want to say he really got old. it, he got it off a trade or something on underground. Mm. And yeah. dude, I don't, I, who knows? Like this thing, it had been fished, and I, I caught probably, I caught a couple fish on it, and then I think I, I don't even know what happened. I think I maybe traded it or something. I don't know, but I was like, I, but yeah, he handed it to me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is the first time I've ever seen anything of yours. And if you're saying like that, that's like an old one, like I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, I think that's that's crazy. Yeah, I'd, that would be that would be one that I'd I'd hang up and stop fishing. <laughs> Damn, maybe I should have done that. Yeah. I, uh, I I I really like the the way that the new stuff swims. It's just yeah, it's just far and away better than 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 the old stuff. But I guess that's you know that's just part of the part of the process of of making baits. Is sometimes you're not physically able to make the bait that you want. Yeah. Um, and but when you are like now, I don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I wouldn't fish that old stuff because I. Yeah, it, the new <laughs> stuff is is far, 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 far better. You know, it's hard to say that because you're like, no, you still want to be proud of your old work, but no, I just, I just physically was not capable of producing what I'm capable of producing now. Yeah. Um. I was. What was I gonna say? Um. Oh, has your has has the gills and trout and stuff changed? You you kind of touched on it earlier. How oh, like yeah. you 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 can manipulate your stuff and you have like 
has that been for personal use or just in general like you see a better swim out of these baits if, if you shave some stuff down uh yeah I, I definitely see a better better swim out of the current version trout this is like the version four i think it's 4.2 uh version 4.2 of the trout i did 0.2 because it's just a different tail because it's the silicone tail not the not the hard rubber tail mm-hmm. uh but yeah the, the trout is now in its fourth version the uh the the big bluegill was only ever like one or two iterations that i made molds of but that that has been probably the most consistent one uh the little the little 5.9 bluegill that went through like three versions um yeah yeah that did go through like three versions and then um yeah so as i improve as as a maker new versions come out new improvements and stuff definitely you do you have a wall of like oh i remember i remember when that bait used to be super chunky and you know it it looked like that and and i'm like oh my gosh a year later now it looks like this but but wait it's been three years since since that one was was the king dog and now look at this one two years later yeah i i kind of put them in a box and forget about them because i don't want them to be a part of my history but yeah yeah they, they are you know so like those those Lexan tail ones. If I if I had the money to buy every single one of those back off the market, I probably would. But or or trade, you know, for a new yeah. one. But yeah, just because I I want people to catch more fish. But it was like, well, I wouldn't be where I'm at now if I hadn't sold that. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Dude, it's like ah, uh, I don't know you people, especially like obviously bait makers and stuff. You got to always think like there's always going to be an improved version of something. That's like when, when you buy something and it goes on sale the next day, like you, you can't be mad. Like it, that's, that's the that right. type of stuff is going to happen. Like you're going to buy a bait yeah. and then, you know, two years later, uh, a, a bait maker may have gotten their stuff scanned and, and gotten refined by somebody. And now they have a super, super slick looking bait and maybe it swims a little yeah. bit different and you, you can't be mad because that's just the name of the game. Like it's innovation. It's going to happen no matter what. Yeah. What what company has the slogan innovation that excites? What'd you say? Innovation that excites. What whose slogan is that? That's a innovation that excites. It's a car brand, right? Yeah, I was gonna say Mazda. It's not BMW, it's not Mercedes. Anyway, it's one of those. But car companies, point being car companies come out with a new new version of car every, you know, two or three years. Yeah, it's it's neat. I just Googled it real quick. <laughs> oh, it's Nissan? <laughs> yeah, Nissan, not of all of them. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, that, like, that doesn't seem like the right slogan for that company. But, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like it, it's, people are always moving forward and, you know, you can, you can hold a grudge like, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe that, that he started making soft tail baits and I have a Lexan tail one. Like, I mean, it's the name of the game. Like if, if he, if he didn't want to grow and get better, then he would just pump out more Lexan tail gills. That's just all there is to it. Like you can't be mad right. at someone for, for moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that, I'm glad that you've got that perspective at least. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, it's like, that's like when um when you leave a job to go work somewhere else that has you know X Y Z better benefits you know better hours whatever you can you can be home more, and that's like when when people are like, oh my god like you, like your boss is mad at you for it and you're like I'm sorry that that you're mad that I'm I'm trying to better 
the situation, my current situation. Like I'm only here for so long. Right. Like, I, can, I can only do right. so much while I'm on this earth. I'm sorry that I don't want to, I don't want to do this with you. Like there's, there's a better opportunity out there and I'm, I'm going to chase it. Here, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so like you, obviously you've been doing the baits for a long time. What, what's your biggest fish on, on one of your baits that you've made? Uh, okay. So biggest, biggest bass is like 10 to or something like that. And it's, you were talking about a shad and it's on a seven, seven and a half inch shad bait that I've never released. Um, <laughs> Classic. Yeah. It's just, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't quite right. I could cast it with the wind at my back. No problem. Cast super far. But if there was, you know, if there was a wind in my face, it was going about 50 feet, maybe. So just just some some usability issues with it, and that's that's why it never never went to production. It's just you know got to change some stuff on it before. Uh, but there's so many shad glides now. It's like I don't really see the point in making it, other than to say, oh, I can make one too. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, Add I'm, me to that I'm list, not, guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not necessarily interested in in joining that rat race, but. Um, yeah, and then striper-wise, I don't know if you technically count this, but I hooked a fish up in the Sacramento River on 12-and-a-half-inch uh, trout in white and chartreuse with the orange belly and the red fins. Uh-huh. And um, lost it, broke it off at the boat, and then another angler actually caught that fish and it still what? had my bait in its mouth. I saw that. You posted that. Was that this year you posted it? Uh, I, well, I think, or maybe was, it got reposted or something, but I saw that and I'm yeah. like, and I remember reading the, I remember reading the post and I was sitting right next to my girlfriend and I'm like, oh my gosh. And she's like, what? Like, is this everything okay? I'm like, did this guy broke off a, a fish and he had its bait in its mouth. And then this dude caught it and again the and the bait was still in its mouth. And she's like, yeah, she, obviously she didn't think it was as cool as I did, but I'm like, that is yeah. wicked. Like that does not happen. <laughs> It, it was it was days days later, and then we found out about it two weeks after it happened. But that striper ended up being fifty and a half pounds. So, oh gosh, I I touched I touched the leader. I don't know if that counts, but I touched the leader on that fish before I broke it off. So, <laughs> dang, dude. Uh, I I know it, I know it doesn't count because I don't have a picture with it. But uh, yeah, he he does. Uh, aside from that, my my largest striper is forty four inches. So dang, so huge. Do you do you hold the biggest striper on one of your baits, as far as you know, or is somebody somebody? No, I do not. Uh, yeah. So that same guy that caught caught that fish with my bait in its mouth, mm-hmm. he sent me the bait. Uh, his name is Thomas Fitz, and. As a thank you for sending me the bait back, I painted him a 12 and a half inch trout in a Sacramento sucker pattern because he fishes up there on the river all the time. So I sent that up to him. Uh, and then just this year, he got a 52 on it, on that bait. And so it, it was pretty cool because he was like, both of the fish that I've ever caught over 50 pounds had your bait in its mouth. <laughs> so. Okay, that's that's how I saw this story is because you posted this and I, I read it off a uh, off March twenty third post. Okay, that's full circle now. I was I was thinking I was like, 
I was like, how did I see this? Like, I know I saw it this year <laughs> where it came from, but okay. That that's full circle. What about, uh, do, do you hold the biggest bass on one or somebody caught just? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I probably would have, uh, there's a video <laughs> of, there's a video of me dumping a fish, a large mouth at the boat on that 12 and a half inch trout. And that, oh. that fish was absolutely massive. And I should have gone for a boat flip instead of a, instead of a swing, but or uh, or instead of trying to swing it back around and net it, but it uh, so big it scared me. The um, the biggest bass on is actually on the the nine inch trout, and that was caught by Josh Paris, and it's twelve seventy four. Oh my so, gosh! Yeah, big Dude, that... big fish. Couple couple twelves have been caught. So and then there was one guy who had a, a forty pound limit on the oh. um, on the seven and a half inch bluegill. Yeah, dude, that is that. That's that's got to be a crazy thought that that something that I mean, you you started like literally from scratch is out there catching 40 pound bags and in in 50. Dude, dude, that's just that's got to be crazy to think. Yeah, I'm really jealous. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to catch a 40. He he did it from a float tube. Oh, so the the pictures, the pictures are all not that great unfortunately like there's no hero picture or anything like that it's just yeah. like fish after fish that's like seven eight eight a nine like he was just having a day and yeah yeah the the only bummer is that the pictures weren't better <laughs> yeah dude i mean you look at that and you're like oh well i'm probably done fishing for my whole life like i just I just dropped 40 pound sack from a float tube like what Oh, with a swim bait. Well, I can't, I mean, you could top that, but it's going to, going to be quite the day if you do. I mean, I mean, well, geez, I think we're all a little jealous of, uh, of, of Ben Milliken. I mean, oh how gosh. many, how many, you know, dude, I, 40, I, he, 40 plus bags has he caught yeah. in the past two years? I mean, there's, there's only, there's only further up and further in. So, I mean, you catch a 40 and you just set a new goal, you know, Go for, Go 50. for 50. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was scrolling through, must have been uh, Instagram, or not Instagram, uh, YouTube, and I was like scrolling through the shorts. Boom, there's Ben right there. He's holding holding that little six cents, what is it, the snitch or whatever. And he's like, yeah. he's like, this bait caught me three 10-pounders today. I just scrolled right past it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I believe I you. I don't need to see it. I believe I you. I don't, I don't even want to look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, crap. I had one more question. I kind of, oh, what, uh, What's the gear, you know, the line, rod, reels that, that you like to fish, like your go-to for, for all your baits or, or for a couple of your baits at least? Uh-huh. That is uh, always changing based on conditions, but I, I wrap my own rods as well. Oh, uh, okay. So for, for the most part, I've switched everything over uh, to North Fork Composites. Um, so all of, all of their blanks are are really incredible. The yeah, uh they are slick blanks. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, the the 806 uh the 806 is the bread and butter for the 6-inch gill. I think that's the same rod. That's actually the same blank that DRT uses for their uh tiny clash rod. Okay. So, yeah. Uh maybe maybe I'm not supposed to share this, but uh, DRT uses the <laughs> uses the North Fork composites blanks. You you didn't hear it from me, dude. But, I have no idea what you're talking about. I just I 
somebody said it. I don't remember who though. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, it wasn't me, but, uh, yeah, that, that's a killer blank, um, for, for that small, that small bait range up to about three and a half ounces. I can throw the nine inch trout on it. Uh, but yeah, I, I've got a dedicated six inch gill rod because of how fun that bait is in the summer. So uh, I'm using any number of reels with that. I was using the Ryoga. I was using the Lexa. Um, and now I'm, now I'm stuck on the, the Tatula for, for that bait specifically. Uh, using 20 or 25-pound Copoly uh, for, for the smaller baits. I, I personally, I just I do not. I know I could use smaller, smaller line, like 18 or 20. But I absolutely hate losing baits, and I'd rather just not get bit if I'm going to lose the bait <laughs> later on. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, that day that I had on that little lake earlier this year with the, with the yellow-bellied trout, I ended up losing several of those trout because I was trying to throw, oh my you know, 22-pound 20, fluoro <laughs> instead, of, instead of 25, so... That uh, that really kills your confidence when you're catching fish, and then you lose the bait that you're catching them on, and then you don't have another one. So you're like, no, I'm I'm done. I'm I, just getting off the lake. It's the worst feeling ever. Happens to me way more than I like to admit. I lose a lot of baits for some reason. I don't know why. Mm, but yeah, just go, <laughs> just just go eighty pound braid. You'll yeah. you'll never regret it. Exactly. Um, yeah, we we throw we throw eighty for for striper. Uh, so I've, I've got reels set up for striper fishing and for, uh, large mouth fishing just because we, it, it can be a, a daily occurrence where we're, you know, fishing for striper in the morning and then, and then going to fish for large mouth. So right. largely using the same baits, but presentation can be a little different, uh, especially here on the Delta. So yeah, uh, for the nine inch trouts, I'm using, also, North Fork composites. I think it's. I think it's a little different, but it's. Um, I think it's eight oh, eight oh eight Delta. Uh, it's rated one to six, but it's a super super uh, moderate action. So for that for that nine inch trout, it is. It throws it like a dream, uh, and it loads up on those fish extremely well, so that they can't pull that. They can't pull those hooks out. Uh, that's that's been a killer setup for me this year, and then. Usually with, with gear ratios on the reels, I'm fishing the highest gear ratio that I can get my hands on. Uh, usually a seven, seven, 7 to 1 for the smaller baits and an 8 for the 9-inch and up. Um, just because I end up having way more control over what that glide is doing uh, with, that extra, with that extra line retrieval. Yeah, but, exactly. You you can fish a fast reel slow, but it's it's hell to try to fish a slow reel fast. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Uh, it's kind of like needing more horsepower and not having it. Yeah, I mean, you can you can drive a slow car fast, but I mean, fast car fast is a lot more fun. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So that that extra that extra inches per turn on those higher gear gear ratio reels is is really similar to, to having the torque when you need it. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, just two, two more questions. Uh, first off, do you, do you make a lot of baits or maybe design pour a lot of baits and, and you kind of, you do a lot of R and D and you fish them 
and then you're just like, eh, no, I'm, I'm not going to release this to the public. I'll either just keep it to myself or it's going to go into that box mm. and it's going to get lost for until I find this box a couple of years from now. Some, sometimes it, I, I do need some, some separation from a bait before I continue working on it. I have made a lot of baits that, that I haven't released uh, and quite a few baits that are still in research and development. But part of it is that like, it's just not quite right and I'm not sure you know, uh, what I need to know that I don't know, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of the biggest issue in bait making is I don't know what I don't know, uh, until I know I don't know it. Right. So finding that, finding that out can sometimes take some time. Like the, um, I think, I think it's almost eight inches. It's like 7.9 inches, but the, uh, the baby bass that I'm working on and, and have been working on for like two years now, Hasn't been like super actively working on it, but I, I kind of set it down and and forgot it until I started. Um, you know, I learned I learned a few things just about you know the way that baits work and underwater and you know some things that that affect different different aspects of the glide action. Um, and I picked that bait back up and I was like, "Huh, I wonder what happened if I do this." And so <laughs> I did that, and it's. Uh, it's pretty incredible now. So, I'm um, I'm really looking forward to, you know, kind of picking that one back up and and getting that one out there. That that's going to be a a perch colored one and a and a baby bass colored one. So, uh, yeah, there's there's definitely an aspect where, like, I'll I'll make a bait and say, nah, it's not quite it yet, and and then you know put it down and and come back to it when I'm ready to work on it. Yeah, I think. It it sounds like um, you're not afraid to go back to the drawing board or just maybe set the set the bait down and scrap it for for a couple months until you're ready to come back to it. And I feel like obviously I don't know, but I feel like there's guys out there who have that same feeling, but they're like, I I can't put this thing down. Like I I have it. I need to do it right now. It needs to get done. And I'm obviously that's gonna affect how how that bait comes out finished. Like. Some guys, if they don't do a lot of R and D on stuff, you can tell. And yeah. it's the point of like getting bird town on a bait, but being so um, connected to it, and you're like, it needs to be done right now. I need to do it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm yeah. not going to wait until it's done. And it sounds like you're the complete opposite. Like you'll put a bait away, and you'll be like, okay, I'll come back to it at some point in time. But it, it's not right now. But later, there there are some where it's like, I I need this to work. Like I can I can get fixated on on one for sure mm-hmm. like the uh the the six inch bluegill like that one was so easy to get fixated on because i was like oh my goodness this is going to be so good yeah, you know, yeah. When, when i get it the right this is gonna yeah. be amazing um and so yeah it, i i can absolutely you know fixate and binge on on working on on one thing um but part of it too is there's there's a lot of fomo because you're like well, what if I, you know, what if, what if I do like a different style joint? What if I, you know, cut a super flat end and then a, and then a super, you know, angled side and then try that. So there's, there's all of that too, where, where I can feel like, oh, this is, this swims like really good. Like I, I do like this. I know it does everything. It burns, uh, it goes slow, but I just wonder what else it could do. 
you know, what else this profile could do if it's, you know, cut a little bit differently, ballasted a little bit differently, you know, all of, all of those other variables can be changed. I wonder what could, what the potential of it could be. So I think the, the big bluegill before I released it, I fixated on it and I spent three months on it. Oh my God. Uh, Yeah. I, I ended up going through like, 10 or 15 different joint variations um, and, and wow. just, just as many um, ballast, ballast location changes. So, Dude, that's, yeah. that's crazy. That's yeah. so crazy. And like, well, I mean, that's literally pouring. I mean, that's like, obviously you got to do that stuff to figure out what works best, but in all honesty, those first 10 that you, first 10, 15 you do, it's more or less like you're just opening up the bucket of resin and just pouring it down the drain. Like, but you, you have to figure it out before you got to crawl before you can walk, obviously. And if, if you don't take the time to do it, then you're just, you're not, your baits are not going to become that level, obviously. Right. There, and there's, there's a shortening of that learning curve too, uh, especially when you're first learning how different fins will affect the action. Like I've got a pretty good handle on, if I stick a fin somewhere, what, how it's going to change the action. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I've, I've got a pretty good handle on that now. Uh, and, and changing the size of the fin, even just changing a, a dorsal fin from the head, the head section to the, to the tail section will monumentally change the way a bait glides. Um, and you wouldn't think so, but just that, just that little, that little distance change, um, just moving it to the back will absolutely change the way that the bait behaves. So just all of that, all of, all of those different variables, they, they come into play. And so it's like, yeah, it, it, the, the learning curve does shorten eventually. Yeah, right. After yeah, eventually. <laughs> yeah. yeah there, there's it, trial it, and tribulations, obviously. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It, it feels like it's definitely, definitely shortening here. Um, obviously, until until you start delving into a new a new arena entirely, mm-hmm. so uh, I'm working on on one now that I'll be getting patented before I ever post a picture of. So that's it's going to be pretty special. That's freaking sick, dude! You guys heard it here first. <laughs> um, one one last question, kind of kind of just a question that I think would will resonate with with people who listen. Um, any any advice to you know the builders out there, like what? What they can do, like maybe just like you said, maybe hyperfixate or not hyperfixate on stuff, like just just to step up their level, whether that being like the building process, like being more efficient or even just like the painting, whether it be like slow down or I mean, just if you had anything to any info to give out or any tips, what would they be? Oh, man. Um, it's a doozy for the last one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely a doozy. I think I think the best advice that I received from a different bait maker was uh if you're the second person to do something, you're still the first loser. So whenever you are like whenever you're trying to design something, try to make it your own and keep it from being somebody else's. Yeah, it's, it's one thing to like, you know, learn how to make a bait 
um, you know, because we've, we all started out making, you know, punkers and AC plugs and stuff like that. But so all, all of that is completely understandable, but once you want to, or should you ever want to bring something to the market, if it's the same as something that's already out there, your, your name's just gonna, you know, kind of drift away into the wind. But as far as, you know, committing to the passion, uh, do it for you first. Don't, don't get into, don't lock into the mindset of, oh, I'm going to, you know, be a bait builder and, you know, I'm going to, you know, start designing this thing and make this super awesome thing and, and, and build it and sell it because you've got to make it for you. Otherwise it becomes work faster than, than you can, you know, than you can imagine. And if your passion ever becomes work, um, you, you won't be doing it for much longer. Yeah, I think uh, that, that, last, that last little bit is very accurate. And I mean, that's just accurate in life. Once, once, I mean, I was thinking about that this morning, honestly. I'm like, well, I'm like, I hope there's never a point in time where recording a show like, becomes a chore because then it's just, mm-hmm. it's not going to be fun anymore. And obviously that goes with anything. Like, yeah. It, just how it that's how it is if 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 it's not fun anymore then it's going to feel like you're you're clocking into your 9 and 5 9 to 5 that's yep. just that's how it is <clears throat> yep absolutely but so don't I mean, do it don't do it cuz you can do it because you love it yeah yeah dude exactly and i think obviously everybody's heard that before but i don't think it's resonated with with people because i, I don't know People are odd. Everybody's odd. Everybody's got their quirks. But I feel like if people just kind of slowed down and, and looked and, and thought, like, is this something that I draw joy from or I want to do or, you know, X, Y, Z, then, okay, yeah, I'll do it. But if it's not, then just find something else to do. <laughs> it's just, right. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Even, even there's nothing wrong with, you know, working a job and, and having a, a passion on the side. But yeah, it, it, the passion can very quickly die. Uh, I, think, I think for myself even, like, there was a period where I was not interested in, in making baits anymore because I had, I had lost, I, I, I had pretty much lost my focus. I think I had stopped uh, bass fishing at that point. And oh, I think wow. I was just fly fishing. And I was like, man, I'm just going to go make swim baits, I guess. <laughs> but it wasn't until I was like, okay, like I, I need to get back into bass fishing because you know this this swim bait making thing is not gonna is not gonna bode well if I'm not out there being passionate about it. And so I got, I got back into back into into the passion side of things, and I found some inspiration, caught some good fish, and uh, I thought, you know what, I could make this better, and. I think that's the part that I love the most. Yeah, is, it's uh, funny. Oh, go ahead. <clears throat> is, is the improvement because perfection is not a destination. It's entirely a journey. Yeah, um, it, it's funny that you, you were talking about that because uh, I'm the type of person that I hyper fixate <clears throat> on something. I do it super hard for you know, a couple months <clears throat> and then I, I get super burnt out on it. And then like, it just it stops becoming fun like we talked about. And then... I, I know it's nice that you have fly fishing because obviously it's, it's, it's game category, it's fishing, but it's different. Like you can go yeah. out there and you just, you just not even thinking about swim baits. You're out there, you know, fishing, fishing your seven weight, just having, having a ball, catching trout and stuff. 
and I feel like having backup hobbies to to your main hobby so you don't get burnt out especially if it's a passion project or you know if, if it's if it's like what keeps your house over your head like you need to have something that to clear your head to not always be going a thousand miles an hour on what you need to do the next day just, right. just i don't know I, that's just how i think i feel like that's just how my body works who knows there's there's a lot of other people out there that might be like dude this Adrian, you are just in a total left field right now, but that's just how, that's just what I think. I don't know. Well, it's getting pretty late where you're at, so you might be a little delirious, but yeah, yeah exactly. But <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. Um, I mean, that's that's everything that I I wanted to talk to you about. Is there anything else that that you kind of were expecting to talk about that we didn't touch on at all? Uh, no. I think I think I'm yeah. I think I'm all talked out, but. <laughs> What uh what what's the Instagram for for anybody who's who's living under the rock and hasn't hasn't seen or, or followed you yet? Uh the Instagram is Slag Eye Lures. Perfect. Uh and then I we kind of talked about it. Do you just do kind of random drops like just keep an eye out on the page and, and post updates and stuff for anybody who's yeah. interested? Yeah, they're 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 pretty random. Uh I should have one out. Hopefully what's what's tomorrow? The first? Tomorrow's so the I've first got I've got yeah. about two weeks to finish up a batch and uh and get those get those out so that they arrive before christmas so here here, here comes the the christmas crunch batch yeah, so exactly so lots lots guys, of painting to do oh man i can't imagine but if you guys are interested keep keep an eye out you know follow sly guy lures turn turn on the little post notifications on instagram that that's always a lifesaver especially for drops like that that's how you get into them <laughs> but uh yeah um yeah. Yeah, dude. Like, like I said, obviously, I'll leave, I'll leave your Instagram in the description, the show notes for anybody who who doesn't follow you for some odd reason. Uh, but I want to I want to thank you for coming on. Hit you up. What was it, like two weeks ago, and, and we got yeah. it all squared away pretty well. Um, yeah, I was we, sick, we both got sick, and then then you got sick, and I'm like, oh yep. my gosh, like this is just falling falling apart. The shambles are coming off the train right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude. I want I want to thank you for coming on. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. Like always, it was it was a blast. I I always like talking to builders because you guys are all completely different. As much as I mean, as much as you guys all pour pour in resin, everybody has their own story and everybody everybody has their own, you know, just way of doing stuff. So I like talking to you guys. Um, we're all a little mental. Yeah, I mean, you gotta be you gotta be a little bit crazy to do that sort of thing. Yeah, handling lead every day. Who knows oh, what it's yeah. doing. Yeah, exactly. Resin dust and all that good stuff. But I want to thank Clayton for coming on. Like I said, you guys can find his Instagram page in the in the show notes. Um, uh, uh, if you guys are looking for a new swim bait stick before the next season, well, if you guys are out out west or anywhere warm down south, you guys, you guys, the swim bait season just continues. But if you guys need a new stick, make sure you check out Leviathan Scales Twenty at checkout. Get you twenty percent off any of your rod purchases there. Uh, keep an eye out. Well, actually, no. If you guys haven't already, make sure if you want to win the December bait that you guys go and buy the Bass and Buzz theme uh, logo for this month. Um, I, I think that's about everything. Covered covered all the bases. But again, I want to thank Clayton for coming on. It means a lot, especially uh, a, a guy of of your you know following and stuff everybody knows who you are everybody knows the name and, and i appreciate you making the time to to join me on this episode it, it was a lot of fun and uh i mean yeah i think that's about everything so i want to thank you guys for listening i hope you guys enjoyed the episode and i will talk to everybody next time see you guys